both sort. It made me want to start studying again to finish the book and to become a perjury. Come in church, come in church. But I was afraid because I was afraid of how others would view me. Yeah. And so it was like, I felt like God when he, when they prayed over me. When that lady prayed with me. Mm -hmm. Amen. It started yeah yeah so a change happened in you and um, so while I appreciate all of all of the comments and we'll hear from Chris in just a second uh, you said something that's actually the kind of the key uh, of our lesson today I appreciate the Holy Spirit using you to, to share it because God God knows the the details of our of our life and many times he allows what seemingly would be a bad thing a panic attack or those types of things to exist in our lives so that when we meet him he can show himself strong his his strength is shown in our weakness and again kind of a kind of a hard thing to wrap our brain around because for some people that seems like God is unfair but it is there are times when you allow a child to experience pain so they understand the consequence for it right it's not just a swat on the rear but sometimes you allow a child to be careful don't run boom okay I told you not to run you ran you fell you hit your head on the table like whatever right so sometimes we do allow the kids some measure of latitude knowing that the consequence of that latitude is going to result in pain but that ultimately it's for their good right so it's not a it's not a, a mean place for God uh, perspective from God so I, I appreciate your your transparency as well go ahead and Chris in the year 2000, I got caught and I had the court coming up in 2001. First lawyer sent me $10,000. Second lawyer said $3,500. I didn't have the money. I was staying in my grandparents. During holidays, I would come in and I'd be downstairs shooting the floor and get here and bump up. around town barefoot for two hours and then I walked into the church 
Well, I appreciate I, I appreciate your transparency. Uh, God brings us through amazing things. He protects us in some cases from ourselves, protects us from uh, environment, and uh, so that we have the opportunity to hear the gospel uh, and 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 you know make a make a decision. I guess I'll at this point. I think I've got enough. Uh, if I could have you pass that side out and have you go on that side. Thanks, Chris. Um, today we're we're going to be looking at John chapter one, uh, specifically about Nathaniel. And uh, in verse 46, it says, uh, And Nathanael said unto him, Can there any good thing come out of Nazareth? Philip saith unto him, Come and see. And Jesus saw Nathanael coming to him, and saith unto him, Behold, an Israelite indeed, in whom is no guile. So somebody who was kind of honest. He, 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 was, he was kind of transparent, as many of you have been today. And Nathanael saith unto him, Whence knowest thou me? And Jesus answered and said unto him, Before that Philip called thee to come see me, before that Philip called thee, when thou wast under the tree, I saw thee. Nathanael answered and said unto him, saith unto him, Rabbi, thou art the Son of God, thou art the King of, of Israel. And Jesus answered and said unto him, be, which is interesting because he answers with a question and says, Because I said unto thee, I saw thee under the fig tree, believest thou? Thou shalt see greater things than these. That was the trigger for you, Nathaniel? Was that I as God saw you and heard you? We don't know what Nathaniel prayed or what he said under the tree, but it was probably something along the lines of a cry out to God, seeking God in some way, trying to ask God to make himself manifest because it sounds like Jesus perceived that Nathaniel was an honest dude trying to do the right things. He called him an Israelite indeed in whom there is no guile. Jesus wouldn't have said those words if, if that wasn't in fact accurate. So Nathaniel has this moment. So we're going we're gonna to talk about a few things today. One, God's omnipresence, which is really what Sam, you know, unabashedly stole from me today. Um, and being triggered isn't always bad. We've obviously touched on that. And then having a maturing faith. So our series study point in 26 is about God's omnipresence. Uh, so I appreciate Sam laying the groundwork for my message. Uh, omnipresence is a fundamental characteristic of God. There's a couple of fundamental characteristics of God. Three that all start with omni. There's a few others, like God is love is a fundamental characteristic uh, of God. But omnipresence is being everywhere at all times, where omniscience is all-knowing and omnipotence is all-powerful. And so being everywhere at all times, Jesus was not necessarily standing near Nathaniel when he was under the tree, but he knew what was happening because of the Trinity. We already looked at that uh, in, in a previous message a couple weeks ago. The Trinity nature of God allows him to be in heaven and on earth at the exact same time. So when Nathaniel communes with God privately, individually, maybe even just in his heart, and Jesus says this to him. Uh, it 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 is uh, it is powerful in his life. But um, 
obviously omnipotence uh, and omnipres- uh, omniscience and omnipotence are also fundamental characteristics of, of God. <clears throat> These fundamental characteristics are not transferred or commuted to man. So, there are things that we as people, as believers in Christ, if we've accepted the Lord Jesus Christ as our Savior, when we go to heaven, there will be things where we are like Him. There is no clear evidence that in eternity we become omnipresent, omniscient, or um, omnipotent, right? We get glimpses of that. We have the mind of Christ, but it doesn't necessarily mean that we have these fundamental characteristics. So there's no reason to believe they are specifically transferred or commuted to man. They're also not fully comprehensible right now. Like we can, we can get glimpses of it. We can understand that God's in all places, all the time, and that He knows all things. But, but we have trouble with things like wrapping our finite brain around Him being all powerful. If you've ever had an atheist or agnostic say, "Can God make a rock that He can't move?" Trying to create a paradigm in which God is now not all powerful. Because if he can create a rock he can't move, he can't move it. He doesn't have the power to move it. If he can't create a rock that he can't move, then he is not all-powerful because he can't create that rock. My response to them is, well, it's interesting because he created a hell that he allowed you to jump into and he's not going to pull you out. So he he's not going to pull you out of that hell. He made a way for you to avoid it. But he actually created a, he created a hell that he cannot reach into and pull you out of. So that's that's the all powerful God I've got that 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 understands that I can't wrap my brain around that, my human brain around that logic. So it's not fully comprehensible. And notice they are not separable. These characteristics, all knowing, all powerful, and on, uh, being everywhere, omnipresent. They're inextricably linked, okay? Because he's everywhere, and because he knows all things, and because he is all powerful, he is God in the name. Like, again, sorry that on a rainy day you're getting two messages that are like, wow, I didn't know there would be calculus at church this morning. I don't understand calculus. Like, this is hard. But just bear with me. I think there's blessings to be had. So that so he sees all. Notice notice the, the the verses here. For the eyes of the Lord run to and fro throughout the whole earth, to show himself strong on behalf of them whose heart is perfect toward him. His eyes are upon the ways of man, and he seeth his all his goings, all of them. So all of man, right? Not just a dude or a person, but all humans. For the ways of man are before the eyes of the Lord. The eyes of the Lord are in every place, beholding the evil and the good. Neither is there any creature that is not manifest in his sight, but all things are naked and open unto the eyes of him with whom we have to do. Kind of what, to to, to Terry's point earlier. So he sees all, and this is inextricably linked to him being everywhere at the same time. For where two or three are gathered together in my name, there am I in the midst of them. He's pretty busy on a Sunday morning because he's got to be in a lot of places at once because there's a lot of people. A lot of, a lot of two or threes are gathered. Right? I mean, I had to run back and forth 
between here and the main building several times this morning, and yet he's in this room, he's in there, he's all the way down at the mire, all at the exact same time, obviously, and every other place where believers are gathered, right? Nevertheless, I am continually with thee. Thou hast holden me by my, by, uh, by my right hand. So, so, so the psalmist is crying out and saying, you've literally held my hand constantly. I mean, it's a beautiful, like, inspirational, devotional concept there, but it's also very deep doctrinally. But that means God has never not been by your side. Even when you were an enemy of God. Even before salvation. In Psalm 139, whither, and, and Sam again stole this from me, whither shall I go from thy spirit, or whither shall I flee from thy presence? If I ascend up into heaven, thou art there. If I make my bed in hell, behold, thou art there. If I take the wings in the morning uh, of the morning and dwell in the uttermost parts of the sea, even there shall thy hand lead me. And thy right hand shall hold me. It's interesting because the, the prophet Jonah was fleeing the presence of the Lord. Well, I mean, I, I don't want to claim to be smarter than one of the prophets in the Bible, but I know you can't. You can try. But it doesn't matter how many layers a kid of pillows and blankets puts over their head, the Lord's there. Like, you cannot get away from him. He is everywhere. So he sees everything and he is everywhere. And those two concepts are, are, I believe, inextricably linked. They're described as him seeing all things and him being all, all everywhere so that we can, wrap, we can use our finite brains to wrap our, our, around that concept, right? That he sees, look, in Jeremiah 16, For mine eyes are, all, are, are upon all their ways. They are not hid from my face. So his presence is there, not just his line of sight. He isn't just in heaven able to see everything, which is interesting. Real quick, I, I have somebody said years ago, if you get in a plane, you go up in a plane, you actually start to get kind of just a, a tiny, tiny glimpse of this view that God has of all of it. Right? And it's, it's, it's probably not even fair for me to describe it that way because even in that moment, our eyes can only, you know, I can, I've been on a, you know, for those of you who I mean, you can see cars on highways and, little, oh, there's a little semi-truck driving, right? <laughs> like, you can't see people, at least once you get up, you know, any height. I mean, but, but you could, like, you fly over a, like a baseball field, like, oh, there's, that's where the pitcher's mound is, not maybe the, the, the pitching rubber, but you can see the circle of a pitching mound. Like, like you can see, but I can only look at like one thing at a time. But God gets this perspective of all of it all the time. So it's not just a line of sight that he has. He can do that and be there at the exact same time. So his eyes are there. His face is there. Neither is there iniquity hid from mine eyes. And, and also in Jeremiah, but in chapter 23, I am a God at hand, saith the Lord. I mean, I, honestly, I kind of thought, you know, I could just end right here. He's a God at hand. Like, literally, the minute you think God's not with you in that hard thing, whatever you've got going on, you know, whether it's the kid that's kind of maybe making some bad decisions, God's right there with them. Anytime you think, oh, I'll just I'll sneak over here and nobody will see this thing, God's there. God's there.
and not a God afar off? Can any hide himself in secret places that I, uh, that I not see him, saith the Lord? Do I not fill heaven and earth, saith the Lord? I'm going to take just a moment to talk about this pantheism concept, and, and, and Sam touched on it. Pantheism says that God is in everything, and there is a shred of truth in that, and that he... By all things we consist, that he holds our very molecules together. Right? He does that for, you know, Sam referenced the, the podium, but he does that for beings. He does that, like, I, I am continuing to be here in front of you because God has caused my, my atoms, my molecules to stay, my cells to stay together and to function in a way that allow me to walk and talk and eat donuts. That is not the same as God being kind of in all things. His power sustaining and by which things consist is different than me going out and worshiping a tree because God's in it. Well, clearly God created the tree. He created, you know, I, I, I kind of like looking at rocks because, I mean, not like collecting them, but it, it always is like a moment for me because rocks are, are not always, but often are one of the few things that are here from the creation. Like he created it. Like he created it. So the connection of the eyes and the presence are, are very, is very real. So, so Nathaniel had this, this moment where he realized God's omnipresence was important. Right? His omnipresence. And that Jesus personified that in human flesh, but was also God. So this brings us to our first point. Faith is triggered. We, we spent some wonderful time together and, and a great time of, of transparency and intimacy as, as a class, and I, I really, really appreciate that. But there's a lot of triggers, and this is not a comprehensive list, but it's some that I came across, and we're going to go through them kind of rapid fire. But seeing, seeing sometimes is a trigger. Remember Thomas, reach hither thy finger and behold my hands, and he reach uh, and reach it thither thy hand and thrust it into my side and be not faithless, but believing. And Thomas answered and said unto him, My Lord, my God. Jesus saith unto him, Thomas, because thou hast seen me, thou hast believed. So some people need to see. Okay, They need to see something happen, and then their faith is triggered. Some people, it's hearing. Very clear. Romans 10, 17. So then faith cometh by hearing, and hearing by the word of God. Now, sometimes we apply this verse in the... In the excuse me, in the inverse, that all faith then comes by hearing and all faith thus comes from, from hearing the word of God. I'm not sure that's exactly the case. I think there's kind of the concept of a seed of faith there. But hearing is a triggering event for some people. They finally hear and can understand and comprehend the, the, uh, the, the word or, or, or God doing something. I, I remember... 
I've had the opportunity to go on a few mission trips where evangelism was was a key focus. Not just going somewhere and painting a building or or building a roof or, or those types of things, although I've participated in a few of those kinds of concepts, but evangelistic missions where you're on the streets and you're in the park and you're sharing. And I can I can think back even right now, the eyes of certain people that just the words that I was saying for them were triggering events. And I wasn't necessarily even quoting scripture, just concepts. I remember distinctively, distinctly, there was one lady who said, who claimed to be an atheist, who claimed to be an agnostic or, or you know, an unbeliever because she was, she was born of evolution, you know, kind of an evolutionist and, and thought that that was the solution. And I asked her, I said, I said, it's interesting because the one concept that I think about God that is beautiful, that's contrary to evolution, is love. Love doesn't fit evolution. Evolution says, I'm going to survive, and I'm going to procreate, like a soldier laying down their life is contrary to evolution. A person jumping in front of a car to save a stranger is contrary to evolution. Like love, love for someone else is, it doesn't, and, and I, can, I can still remember this like glimmer of, oh my gosh, you're right. She didn't choose to believe that day. I hope I planted a seed. But we didn't even get into the Word of God. Like, we didn't even open up Scripture. Sometimes it's hearing. Sometimes it's an understanding, in this case of authority. We've seen this in a couple of times in our study. For I'm a man set under authority, having uh, under me soldiers. And I say unto one, Go, and he goeth, and another, Come, and he cometh. And to my servant, um, do this, and he doeth it. And when uh, Jesus heard these things, he marveled at him and turned about and said unto the people that followed him, I say unto you, I have not so not found so great a faith, no, not in Israel. So this guy had faith because he understood who Jesus was and that Jesus had authority. Like an understanding... You know, I, sometimes I think soldiers can disengage the emotion to some degree so that they can make conscious decisions. Well, actually, you're, you're actually challenged to do that, to, to endure hardness as a soldier, a good soldier of Jesus Christ. You're actually, you're, you're actually challenged to disengage some of the emotion. And I don't mean love. I mean like sadness or, or, or despair or gloominess or some of those things. You're actually ch- told to repress those things when it comes to soldiering for the Lord. This man understood that. Desperation in Mark chapter 9, uh, you know, a father, and he asked the father, how long ago uh, since, I mean, well, I shouldn't have jumped. And he brought unto him, and when he saw him, straightway the spirit tear him, and he fell on the ground and uh, wallowed foaming. He's describing some sort of literal supernatural seizure type event. And asked his father, Jesus asked, how long ago since this came unto him? And he said, of a child. And oft times it cast him into the fire and into waters to destroy him. So it's not just an epileptic seizure. Like, this is a situation where something comes on this kid and he now runs and throws himself in water or fire to destroy him. But if thou canst do anything, have compassion on us and help us. And Jesus said to him, if thou canst believe, all things are possible to him that believeth. And straight away the father of the child cried out and said with tears, Lord, I believe. Help thou mine unbelief. So desperation. Like, I think I believe, but I'm not sure I believe enough to save my kid. A miraculous healing. 
in John chapter 9. Again, we'll skip a, a little bit of the verses. How were thine eyes opened? They asked the, the, blind, the guy that was blind. And he said, you know, Jesus you know, made clay. And he washed my eyes. And he said, go wash. And I did. And I'm, I received. And, and then jumped down to verse 37. And Jesus said to him, Thou hast both seen him, and it is he that talketh with thee. And he said, Lord, I believe, and worshipped him. So it was the miracle that happened that caused the belief. In some of the other examples, it's the belief that causes the miracle. Jesus heals this guy, and then he comes to knowledge of understanding. So sometimes things happen to us that we can't explain. A tree that, for me, a tree that was about yay big around stopped my car that was rolling from going down a, down a, a ravine, me not wearing my seatbelt. I'm quite certain I would have been killed, seriously da- uh, injured or, or paralyzed. Something would, bad would have happened. I do believe God miraculously protected me in that moment. A consistent relationship. Martha, right? I mean, she's like, you know, I mean, we, we always, you know, give Martha a little bit of a bad rap, but, and whosoever liveth and believeth in me shall never die. Believest thou this? And Martha said unto him, Yea, Lord, I believe thou art the Christ, the Son of God, which should come into the world. She knew that. Like, she knew it because she'd been around Jesus. The scriptures, which we've already touched on. Notice in Acts 8, we often go here, we talk about baptism and those types of things. But, and then Philip opened his mouth and at the same, began at the same scripture and preached unto him Jesus. And in verse 37, And Philip said, If thou believest with all thine heart, thou mayest, referring to his baptism. And he answered and said, I believe that Jesus Christ is the Son of God. How did he understand that? He was reading the book of Isaiah and he's like, Who is he talking about, himself or someone else? And then he comes to a point where he understands that Jesus is the Son of God because of the Scriptures. Or maybe it was a personal interaction with the Lord. And said unto the woman, Now we believe, not because of thy saying, right? So all the Samaritans that had been impacted by the woman at the well, they said, We believe, not because of thy saying, for we have heard him ourselves. It's a very personal interaction. So there's triggers. You have a trigger. Even if you didn't share it this morning, you have either had a trigger that led to your faith, or if you are not yet a believer, and I'll put it in the category of yet, because we're still holding out hope. If you're not yet a believer, there is a thing that will be the trigger. I pray that it's the message this morning, or the love that someone in this place shows you, or the, the impetus of the, of, the, of the scriptures. But all of us have a a trigger. For Nathaniel, it was this fact that he had prayed to an almighty God or had some sort of all interaction with almighty God and Jesus was like, I saw you under the under the fig tree. It's like, oh my gosh, you are the Lord. You are God. Because I prayed maybe just inside like maybe just it was like in his heart. So we saw that that our first lesson that faith is triggered or faith has triggers our second lesson as we as we run into the conclusion here today is that true faith matures true faith matures in verse 50 we saw in our in our passage that Jesus says because I said unto thee I saw thee under the fig tree that believest thou Thou shalt see greater things than these. You're going to see way more than my fundamental character as an omnipresent God. Like you're going to, you think that's good? Just wait till you see what I have up my sleeve next. Like 
That was easy, Nathaniel. That's my very nature. Your, your faith is going to grow a lot deeper. A lot deeper. So true faith matures. So we're going to look at a few of these. You have them on your, on your page. But a belief in Jesus can lead to more faith. According to Mark chapter 9, verse 24, and straightway the father of the child cried out, we just looked at this, and said with tears, Lord, I believe, help thou mine unbelief. Which means he still had capacity for more faith. The day I got saved, I believed in Jesus. But I know I trust him more today than I did that day. It's not that I've gotten any more of Jesus. It's not that I'm now arrived. I've just seen him bring me through stuff. I've seen him show up. I've seen him grow me. I've seen him teach me. I've seen, I've just, I just have a, a greater depth of relationship with him today. That was a long time ago. How many years? That was 88 when I got saved. There's a lot of people who weren't even alive in 1988. Is anybody in here not alive in 1988? Yeah, oh, 88. Yeah, no, alive. Or not not alive. Yeah, anybody who hadn't been born? You, you, I was three years old. Okay, well, I am. Oh, one. There's one person in here who wasn't even in existence when I got saved. Thank you. I thought there might. I, I wasn't sure. I wasn't doing the math quick enough uh, on, on, on ages and whatnot. So some faith is void. Like, there are people who have, you know, Romans chapter 4, and this isn't in your notes, um, you know, talks about their faith being made void. And that there's some people in Romans chapter 14 that says, Him that is weak can the faith receive ye. So there's people with weak faith. So there's people that their faith actually doesn't get deeper. And I went up because of, I don't know, it doesn't get deeper broader. I think you're tracking, right? It doesn't get more in volume and deeper in a relationship with God. There are some people who who their faith actually wanes over time. That's not a mature faith. The beauty in this story is, is everybody can have a maturing faith. There's steps to a maturing faith. So belief in Jesus can lead to more faith. Belief in Jesus can lead to a belief in eternal life. I mean, some people just want to they 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 want their sins to be forgiven. Notice in John 11, he said unto Jesus saith unto her, I am the resurrection and the life. He that believeth in me, though he were dead, yet shall he live, and whosoever liveth and believeth in me shall never die. Believest thou this? Like, you can believe that your sins are forgiven, and some people can't then, aren't yet to the point where they understand what that means for all eternity. Right? That that gives them eternal life. That's a, that's a, for, for a lot of us, I think we, we connect those dots pretty quickly. That Jesus saved me, therefore I have eternal life. But for some people, that's not, I mean, I've dealt with plenty of people at the altar who, Honestly, I believe we're saved, but they don't have a confidence in the eternal life that God's given them. So true faith matures also. A belief in Jesus will believe, uh, a, belief you will, uh, a belief you will see God. John eleven forty. and Jesus saith unto her, I said, not unto, uh, said I not unto thee that if thou wouldest believe, thou should see the glory of God? Like, that's pretty cool. Because right now, if we see the glory of God, what happens? The end of Raiders of the Lost Ark. 
we melt like wax. I don't know if you've watched that recently, but it's really cheesy looking. Like, I watched it. It's cheesy, but it's like it's 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 cheesy. Uh, what's like special effects? You know, it's like wow, that that's kind of cheesy. I've seen like way better than that, but it's still like Sam says. It still like raises the hair on the back of your neck. And yes, I have some hair on the back of my neck just because I don't have hair on the back on top of my head. <laughs> raises hair on my arm, right? Don't you dare submit a question. How long does it take Jesus to number the hairs on your head? Because I will not answer that question. If you say, I'll be like, no time at all. Don't ask that question. Where was I? Where was I going with this? Oh, you'll see the glory of God. In our humanness, we can't see the glory of God. We can't. We would melt. We would burn away. But do you believe that someday you will see the glory of God? Wow, I'm really... I mean, Sam was like, seven eyes? I'm looking forward to it. It's a beautiful, as much as a beautiful picture as that is, there's only one thing in eternity that's marred forever, and it's that lamb. John chapter, uh, or uh, Revelation chapter 4, four 6, right? No, no. It's verse 6, I can't remember. Uh, 5, 5, chapter 5, whatever it was. Cha- verse 6, when it says, and the lamb as it had been slain. 5, 6. There's one thing that's imperfect for all eternity, and it's not us. It's that lamb that has it was as it was slain. So we'll also see the knowledge of the glory of God. 2 Corinthians 4, 6. For God, who commanded the light to shine out of darkness, has shined in our hearts to give the light of the knowledge of the glory of God in the face of Jesus Christ. So we even get that. We can grow in Jesus, belief in Jesus, leading to this knowledge, the understanding of His glory. Faith can lead to living faith. Yes, I went there. So, for therein is the righteousness of God revealed from faith to faith, as it is written, the just shall live by faith. So, you can have faith that doesn't manifest itself. We call those people hypocrites, right? Because they say they have a belief, they say they have a faith, but it doesn't manifest, or it manifests in something contrary to what... But your faith can start out as like a little mustard seed, and it can grow. That's the beauty. Like, it can grow literally the rest of your life. The saving faith. You can start with a saving faith that leads to a fruitful faith. For by grace are you saved through faith. We know that that's the saving faith. But look, the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, long-suffering, gentleness, goodness, and faith. That which you get after your salvation... I'll try to do it this way. You believed, you were saved, the Spirit indwelled you. Like, that all happened at the same time, but, right? Then you get faith. This is not talking about saving faith. This is talking about a maturing faith. It's fruit of the Spirit that comes upon you after you believe unto salvation. Otherwise, you've got a weird cycle there that you can't explain. So faith continues to grow. Faith leads to grounded or settled faith. If you continue in the faith, grounded and settled. Faith continues into a steadfast faith. For though I be absent in the flesh, yet I am with you in the spirit, joying and beholding your, uh, your order and the steadfastness of your faith. 
I mean, we see in the parable of the sower and the seed, some people, the, 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 the seed takes root, but the issues of life, the issues of the world, choke it out, and it doesn't, it doesn't flourish. So your faith has the opportunity to grow. I'm looking at you and I'm going to call you all Nathaniel this morning. Because you saw him do one thing, that's awesome. Just wait on what he can do in your life. He can do way more than you can ever even ask or think. It's a matter of maturing faith. And don't forget, the, this, this God who wants to show you, He loves you. Sam even said it during the invitation. Like, everyone here is for you. Everyone here loves you. Please make a decision for Christ. Like, no one loves you or is here for you or is cheering you on more than the Lord Himself, who is omnipresent. He is literally with you. Every Like, I am so glad. I think I've said this from this pulpit before. I am so glad that my grandmother doesn't look over the banisters of heaven at me. Like, that's not a real thing. I know we like, it's like a warm fuzzy. But no. No, grandma. No. No. But the Lord who knows my very being, who created me, who knows all the intricacies, who holds every molecule and atom together, who who formed my personality, who has honed me and shaped me within the experiences I've had, and he's been pleased to bring me to this point, whether it's to have a saving faith or a mature and, and or maturing faith, wow. I mean, that Lord's with you. That Lord's with you. So if you've not made the decision this morning to trust the Lord, I mean, look, I don't know what else He has to do to woo you, to compel you, to, to, to court you, if you want to use that illustration. Like, He has done everything. He has literally been beside you every step of the way. It's okay. Trust me. Love me. I, I want you to believe in Jesus. I want to pay for your sins. Look at what I did on the cross. Look how I conquered sin and death. He wants you to accept it. He wants you to believe it. He's written a beautiful love letter that's longer than any other love letter I've ever seen so that you would believe. And believer, for those of you who have made that decision, please, please allow your, your faith to mature. You, you, you're not going to get... I mean, you get in heaven by the skin of your teeth through salvation, no doubt. But like he wants to do more. He looks straight Nathaniel in the eye and he's like, "That's you're, you're, you're excited because I saw you? Just wait. Just wait till I heal people in front of you. Just wait till I calm the seas in front of you. Just wait till I resurrect a guy in front of you. Just wait till you see the resurrected me. Like Nathaniel, you ain't seen nothing yet. And believer, you ain't seen nothing yet. Let's pray. Lord, we thank you for uh, the truth of your word. We thank you for um, how you love us. We thank you for how you do challenge us. You, you, do, you do compel us to have a deeper walk with you. Uh, so Lord, help us to do that. And, and if there is someone here that doesn't know you as Savior, Lord, I pray that they would settle that even today. Um, you're really, you're really good to us, Lord. You're super patient with us. And we, we, we look at the, the small things that you do in our life that, 
that may seem super big to us, like a, a wrecked car, a tree through a garage, all these things like, you know, disease conditions and all these things. And you're like, God, why are you so mean to me? When in reality, you're doing everything you can to woo us. Help us to trust you more. In Jesus' name, amen. You guys have a great day in the Lord. If there's anything we need to talk about, uh, just grab me. There will be another group coming in here fairly fairly soon, uh, so just be mindful of that. Love you guys. <laughs> the mustard seed. Oh, ah. I still got that too. I was like, I was like an eye test. Which one would you be able to see it with? My right eye. No. So we were just talking about this with Michelle this morning. They, um, um, that um, they set my one eye up to see distance and one eye at my contacts to uh-huh. to read. So with this eye, I can see the the stuff behind Erica. With this eye, blurry. Isn't that weird? That's messed up. It is messed up by definition. I don't know why they would do that. I think they're messing with me. I think they are too. Well, you wrote the date right there. I'll just say it's the same date. Even if it's not the right date, we'll say it's it the same. It is. Yeah. I had to look. Oh, oh, oh. See, I almost said something.